Better hurry, bell rings in 15. If you let me get a car, you wouldn't have to worry about me being late. What's happening? Something happened to me. I could hear it, Annabelle. Hear what? Everything. You were there that day. Do you know what it was? It may have something to do with people like us. What are you talking about? What you call an icon living? Are you a superhero? No. No. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses I need to get you ready. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. I found the girl. Her powers are beginning to manifest. I'm about to do a way different. I am just an icon living. You are exceptional. I am just an icon living. Hey, what's up, y'all, and welcome to Our Cousin Naomi. This is the Carefree Black Nerd review over the CW's newest superhero show, Naomi. Naomi is a cool, confident, comic book-loving teenager. She pursues her uh, hidden identity when a supernatural event shakes her small hometown of Ports Oswego. Naomi sets out to uncover its origins. With a little help from her fiercely loyal best friend, Annabelle, she also has the support of her adoptive doting parents, veteran military officer Greg, and linguist Jennifer. After an encounter with Zumbato, Zumbato, I think I got that right, the mysterious owner of a used car lot leaves her shaken, Naomi turns to tattoo shop owner Dee, who becomes her reluctant mentor. While unraveling the mystery of herself, Naomi also navigates her high school friendships with both military kids and local townies, including ex-boyfriend and high school jock Nathan, Annabelle's longtime loyal boyfriend Jacob, and a proud townie Anthony and fellow comic book enthusiast Lord Lordes Lordes. Mm. As Naomi journeys to the heights of the multiverse in search of answers, what she discovers challenges her beliefs about heroes. Y'all, let's get right to it. Naomi is a series that came out some time ago, a comic book series with D with DC, and I don't want to get too much into the lore and the backstory, but th that synopsis is pretty much it now i have the first quote-unquote season of the series which i think is like seven or eight issues and i believe i have the collected uh trade of naomi now we knew that this series was coming i believe maybe for a year i don't know covid and quarantine and this pan panoramic has really changed the perception of time it could have been a couple months but we know that ava duvernay is is uh the executive producer and this is a cw show and it's based off of brian michael bendis and david f walker and jamal campbell's uh, uh character and book naomi now I have all of her books, and with me, you already know, I am severely behind on everything. But when I got ready to read Naomi, I actually stopped. I didn't want to let the source material spoil or alter the way in which I view the series. And so that may seem kind of silly, but I feel like the comic books are going to be around forever and a day. And because, and since, rather, since I haven't, already jumped on reading everything though some things have been spoiled over the course of the last year or so um i don't want to for me personally go into it thinking like oh they changed this they changed that no i just want the story that was given to us by this creative team especially since ava duvernay is the executive producer 
Um, this was an interesting pilot. So it's a CW show, but it doesn't feel like a CW show. And I don't know why that is. Um, actually, before going forward, when you listen to this episode, use that hashtag OCNPod for our cousin Naomi podcast. Now, I will say I enjoyed the first episode. I'm doing this review of it. I'm not going to promise a full series review. I'm going to let you know right now, life, when it gets in the way, and it gets in the way hard, it just does what it does. And I, this may not be a full series review. You may get a couple episodes here and there or something. Y'all already know. So, <laughs> But I enjoyed this episode. It doesn't feel like a CW show. It feels more like a... I don't know. Use that hashtag OCNPod and let me know what does this show feel like to you? Upon watching it, does it feel like a CW show? Does it feel like, I don't know, a USA show, a a freeform show? But something about it feels more polished than the average CW show. Um, It is about kids in high school. It's very much kids in high school. And I enjoy that element because when you look at stuff like Riverdale, (laughs) And you look at stuff like Gossip Girl, you look at stuff like Euphoria, though this is just the first episode, it feels a bit campy, not over the top in the way that Empire was, but it feels a bit campy, it feels very high school-ish, it feels um, you're in a town that's a military-based town, and so... I think with that in mind, I'm able to suspend belief a little bit more than if it was just a regular town. Um, I reviewed the series We Are Who We Are with the host over there at the Color Pages Book Club podcast. And that show, though it had a lot of things going on, the central uh, place that everything happened was a um, U.S. Army base. Was it in Germany? somewhere so i'm already familiar at least enough with the military army base without actually having lived on one that this gives me a little bit more um i'll give you the show a little bit more grace when it comes to certain things like teenagers being out all late hours of the night and hanging out because i feel like there is this and i could be wrong but this is what i feel like that there's this community this this kind of safe pocket of a community when you have something that's like a military town or base. Though bad things can happen, rape, abuse, fights, deaths, murders, all that, but something about it being this military base, and it could be the American of me, makes it feel like, okay, I can give you a little bit more grace for these hijinks that the kids are, um, are putting on. So yeah, that's that. So I watched the episode. I actually enjoyed it. I thought that Naomi, played by uh, Casey Walfall, I hope I said her name correctly. I thought she did a great job. I love the box braids. The difference between the live action and the comic book is that in the comic book, it's like a short bob, like a 90s R&B group uh, box braid bob with the little gold uh, adornments, accoutrements, uh, beads and stuff on them. But here, her hair is much longer. And that's a choice that was made. And I don't think one is better than the other. However, I think the longer braids does lend itself to a more contemporary look. I've always thought that the Naomi comic with those box braids that go down right at your chin, I always felt a bit old 
for the character, especially because she's a teenager, it felt like someone did look at a black hair magazine, but like an old school magazine from like the 90s. It it always felt like it dated her. Um, but yeah, I loved Naomi's portrayal. Now, Naomi got a lot going on, y'all. So she is a Superman stan. Now, in this series, I'm assuming that this is a different this is a different universe than the rest of the Arrowverse. Um, mainly because it feels like Superman is just a comic book character. And so um, Naomi has a website, a blog or vlog or whatnot, devoted to her love of Superman. And the characters, the other people, the other kids, they fully support this <clears throat> black girl and her nerd obsession. They tease her, of course, because it's Superman. But what I love about this show is that it is taken seriously. It's just like, oh, she's a nerd. One person even comments on the first maybe five, six minutes of the episode, like, uh, you're so cool. And this isn't verbatim, but it's like, oh, you're so cool and this and that. And, and then you're also into this, like, Superman stuff. And they have what I assume is their version of Snapchat or maybe, like, a um, TikTok or maybe an Instagram Live. And the guy and her are on the live. And he's like, yeah, she has the best Superman site in in the world or something. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm number two because so-and-so has this and that. But the way in which that it's handled and the way in which it's handled with a black girl, to me, really warmed my heart. Like, this young black girl is just a nerd. And I... And it... It stood out to me specifically because women in general get a lot of shit and pushback from the fanboys who are like constantly questioning you about your um, the seriousness of your fandom. You say you're into games. Oh, what games do you play? You say you like comics. Oh, you must just know Spider-Man from the movies. Or you know, just some I've seen where... There have been, there's one particular character, and this is a quick aside, there's a character, please do not ask me where from, because I am not well-versed, but there's a character who looks like a woman version of the Joker, but with a steampunk aesthetic, and there was a girl cosplaying as this character, and uh, a few guys were commenting, talking about, oh, look at you. Again, this isn't verbatim, but essentially it was like, look at you trying to change up the Joker and gender being and this and that. And then her response was, no, this is actually such and such and such, which was an actual character. Just because the woman looked very, um, had a close aesthetic to Joker did not mean that was a genderman joker. And so just that one interaction that I've seen online, and this is one out of countless, I'm just thinking like, man, I don't know everything. And I come on here and I let y'all know. If I get this wrong, say something. Email me, um, hit me up on the hashtag, let me know so that I can correct it because I'm only giving you what I know. And if it's incorrect or proven to be untrue, you should update that information. I've never been one to push back against new information if i tell you naomi got long box braids you come back and say well actually those aren't box braids those are uh senegalese twists that are wrapped on the end or whatever then i'll be like oh, okay well that makes sense then so all that being said i love the fact that this black girl 
is a nerd. She's allowed to just be a freaking girl, hanging out, having friends, be her popular or not, having people appreciate, though they are teasing her like friends do, appreciate and support her love for this nerdy space that she's in. So I'll say that, for one, sold me on the show. Now, um, I did the live tweet. So I'm going to try to do the live tweet every week. So um, January 11th, Tuesday, January 11th was the premiere episode. And it was some shit. <laughs> it was some stuff going down in the in the live tweet. People was on it. I think I did a pretty good job if I do say so myself. So check me over on Twitter, Carefree Blurred, if you haven't already. And, use, and search the hashtag OCNPod. Also, shout out to JJ, Jupiter Judo 24 um, who also put me onto the hashtag SuperNaomi. And that was pretty fun, you know, just tweeting and getting responses and whatnot. But, um, so I like that throughout the course of the episode, a lot of people give Naomi pushback about Superman being her, her favorite character. Um... I'm not going to do a, like a really deep dive, but like her parents talk about her, you know, being nerdy. Her friends talk about her being nerdy. And there are two adult men, uh, D, who is a tattoo shop owner, and Zimbardo, who is the car dealership owner. And I don't think D talks about Superman with her, but I know that Zimbardo, Zim, Zimbardo does. And it's at a point where she is in the woods on her own which is like how is this even how are you comfortable enough to do this even in this military town and he confronts her and it's it seemed and i it seemed very hotepish it seemed very dr umarish the way he kind of pushed against her with this idea of like out of all of the comic book characters out there it's so interesting that you um focus on or obsessed with superman now that's the way it sounds and feels to me as someone who has not completed the naomi series but i do know that superman is a important part of the naomi comic book series and he's also very ever present in this pilot episode so if there is a different interpretation you can let me know but understand i haven't read through the series so i'm just taking the discoveries plot twists and um all the things that the show is going to give us i'm taking it as it comes with the show i'm not going to read the book until the first season is done um but the way in which he addressed her love of superman versus like her friends who are kind of teasing her it felt like and i'm not gonna hold you up it felt like all right sister you gonna be in love with this white man character out of all the comic book characters out there you obsessed with this white man and that's what it felt like and that's not the way in which he delivered his lines but it felt um, very much like you into this white character when there are so many other black superheroes you could be uh, interested in or obsessed with. And that is so funny to me, knowing that there are black people on the creative team, i.e. Ava DuVernay, spearheading this whole thing. And it's like, I wonder if this was intentional. Um, so any of you uh, African-American uh, listeners out there who felt the same, let me know. Use the hashtag OCMPod and let me know if Zambado came off kind of low-key hotepish to you. So, um, what else? What else? So, Naomi has a few love interests, which really shocked me. So, she has Nathan, who is the guy who threw the party. The show opens up with this nice house party. Um, she comes in. The colors are very much pulled from the cover of the comic, like 
deep purples, golden, bronze, dark hues. It's, it was beautiful. I really liked that opening scene. And it felt like a kid's party. Now, I'm a full-grown adult. I haven't been a teenager at a teen party in years. This, by the standards of today's teenagers, could be so corny. It could be terrible. But from what I'm viewing, it looks like just your average kid's house party, hanging out, loud music, dancing. Any kids or, like, teens who are listening, if this is wrong, do not crucify me. Just know this, it just felt that way to me. But I'm 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 a grown-ass man. So, the party, uh, she comes in and someone mentions, like, dang, Naomi, you are four hours late. And I'm like, god damn, what's, what's she been doing if you get to the party four hours late? And so... Um, we get introduced to a lot of the main characters. So Nathan is doing this party. He is, I'm going to assume, a mixed race boy or possibly black. He's a light-skinned black guy, but he looks like he might be mixed. Either way, he um, he's into her. He's interested in her. And that's apparent. Like, for me watching, it may, I know that Naomi probably isn't. I'm not the target audience. That's clear. I'm not some 15 to 22 year old who this is targeted at but of course i love comics and when watching this i have to manage my expectations as a fan as a viewer and then i also have to um i'm still going to give my critiques regardless because it's entertainment and it's art and it's it can be critique but i have to kind of manage my expectations and i wonder and if you are someone who's like in your early 20s and into this show, let me know if this is accurate. Sometimes I wonder if when I'm viewing certain things and decisions that are made in shows, if because I'm a full grown adult with a lot of lived in experience, I catch on to certain things or if it's just blatantly obvious that this is what the director and the creative team are doing. Case in point. When Nathan and Naomi are speaking, it is very clear that this boy is into her. And it's also very clear to me that she is not necessarily oblivious, but she's just, I don't even want to say not interested, but that isn't the focus of her interaction with him. And he doesn't come off creepy, doesn't come off like he's pushing up on her, but it's obvious to me that he's into her so i wonder i may be giving myself too much call like oh i saw this a mile away but <laughs> i'm like is this obvious to others i hope so um there's another interaction later on um well actually soon after where she goes to school and she runs into what is that guy's name um he is i don't even know if this boy is white honestly his name is anthony he I'm going to say he's white until proven otherwise, and I've make it a point to mention the the races and ethnic backgrounds in the way that the characters look because I think that's very important. Um, regardless of how you feel about interracial dating and by whatever else, I want to be um, as clear as possible about the different races of the people in the show because I think this is a really good show and it's handled having such a mix of characters very well. Um, and I think in a way that even though it's just a pilot, I think it's doing it a bit better than a lot of other CW shows. But the guy, Anthony, um, they run into each other in the hallway of school and she's like, hey, why didn't I see you at Nathan's party last night? And she was like, <laughs> and it was like, he gave me the wrong address. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I laughed. And she's like, no, he wouldn't do that. Um, I'm sure it was a mistake, such and such. And even then I was like, come on, Naomi, y'all know you're supposed to be a 16 year old girl. 
um, dealing with, you know, teenage angst, but let's not be that dense. I can tell that this boy and Nathan would not get along. So they have a sweet little conversation and it, it is mentioned that Nathan, who is part of the military families in the town, does not like townies, those who are from the town. Now, I've never experienced this dynamic in person, though I've seen it on countless TV shows over the years and movies and whatnot. So I'm not going to uh, push back against it like, oh, this doesn't happen. To me, it just seems silly. If I am a military kid, why the hell would I hate townies? Like, it may come out later like, oh, the townie kids hate military kids and they may they bully them or whatever but i that's not the way i see this going with this show and also it feels like it should be the other way around where the townie people maybe hate the military people because they're in their town and making it different i don't know i don't know anyone who is in a space or has lived in a space where it was like townies versus military people let me know um if this is pretty accurate. So she's like, yeah, he doesn't like me and such and such. She's like, all right, man, whatever. And they, he knows she's in the Superman and we go to class and then some event happens and then Naomi runs out of class. But it is clear to me that this Anthony guy likes Naomi too. And I'm like, what? Everybody liked this girl. <laughs> and she's a pretty girl. So, I mean, it makes sense. And the show is about her, but like, Everybody is into this girl. So she goes to a shop, maybe a record store, a comic book shop. I don't know. There's another young lady with purple hair. And forgive me, I do not know the actress's name. I'm still trying to get the cast together and get their like Twitter handles and whatnot. But her and Naomi share a little look too. And I'm like, oh, let me find out Naomi is also queer. So when Naomi gets home, because her while she's talking to the purple haired girl, the her parents are like yeah we have dinner she sits down with her mother and father um her father greg who's a white man and her mother who i think she is indian i could i believe so because the actress the character's name is jennifer but the actress's name is muzam makar so i i think that that's indian um let me know if you know and if i'm wrong let me know so i can correct that in the next episode but they sit down and talk with her, but they discuss they discuss her love life, which I think, whatever, parents do that. But there's something about the way her dad's like, you got to choose. And it isn't aggressive. It isn't like, you need to decide if you're going to be a lesbian or straight. It's not that, but it's the way in which he's discussing her love life. I'm like, this is a 16-year-old kid. Kids should be able to hang out with more than one person like why are you painting her into this corner of choosing who to be with and the the weird thing about it is the way that naomi's sexuality and romantic interest is handled in the show it feels like everyone except for her is like very hyper focused or very invested in what she's going to do where with her it feels like she's like it feels like that's not important to her because um, at one point she has a conversation with Nathan. She's like, you know, I like you. I think you're a great guy. I think you're really nice. And this, then she gives him a lot of compliments and she's like, and that's why it doesn't make sense to me that you would have given uh, Anthony the wrong address for your party. And I'm like, okay, you better call him out, girl. Um, so she does that. 
And he's like, well, no, no, I, you know, I didn't do that on purpose. It was an accident. She's like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, it's an accident. But then eventually, in the same scene, maybe a, a few seconds or maybe a minute later, he's like, okay, maybe I did give him the wrong address. And I think she asked him why. He's like, not because I don't like him. It's because he likes you. And that scene, to me, I was like, oh, this is so sweet. Like, you're still a jackass, Nathan, but this is sweet. Like, the way that that unfolded, I thought was really natural. I thought it made sense. It didn't feel forced. And it kind of added another layer um, of this relationship that they have. Because now, to me, that says he's been into her. She's been oblivious. And now she's kind of forced to really acknowledge or deal with wait a minute that they wait did they date hold up hold up hold up okay y'all hold on (laughs) because i'm trying to i'm trying to parse through my tweets and my thoughts and i think nathan and naomi may have dated if so you remember that um, and can confirm, hit me up on Twitter, use the hashtag OCNPod and let me know. I'll have to rewatch the episode, but I'm clearly recording now. <laughs> so, um, so I like that. The purple haired girl, a young lady on Twitter gave me her name, but I've, I've, it's been lost in the sea of these tweets, but that girl is beautiful. And I love the way she's styled. She has this like kind of fair faucet type of hair, but it's, it's short. It comes like right to the middle of her neck. And then even her makeup, I think that for her to be the kind of more alternative character, she looks very much, she stands out among the cast who are all, who look like kids, but she doesn't stand out in a way that makes her look like, you know, a 34-year-old woman trying to play a teenager. She looks like a kid, but she does look alternative enough, even with, like, her makeup choices, her hair choice, the way she dressed, where she still feels, to me, age-appropriate among the rest of the cast, but also she stands out a bit. And I like that, because everyone else looks normal. I like that Naomi wears these big-ass clothes. Like, she has this big pink uh, fuzzy furry cardigan and this huge, um, button down shirt that's striped with these big old jeans. Like she, to me, she is not sexualized. She looks like an age appropriate young girl and she's dressing like a kid would not to say wearing a shirt that fits makes you some sexual object, but let's not act as if girls, young girls, women, and the like are not objectified constantly. It's Especially in comics, but I think that she looks very much like a kid and I like that um, And baby she wore a few cardigans in this episode where I was like myself. I might need to to uh, Go again see who who designed this because there is one um, That she wears when she's in the woods with Zambadu and that I, I don't think I got a clear look of it, but it's very nice. It's like a longer cardigan It looks like it's blue white with a little that's that's neither here nor there. Just know I like these cardigans that she was wearing. So whoever's on wardrobe for this show, good job. So the big event of the episode is that Naomi, everyone, we established she's a super a Superman fan. Um, she goes uh, to school. She is preparing for a debate. She's at the debate club. Her and this uh, Mrs. Brooks, who looks like she could either be a white woman, or a white girl, because she's a girl, or a biracial girl, a la, or in the vein of a Mariah Carey. She has um, curly blonde hair, and 
I don't know. She's not really a big character in the pilot episode. She may be bigger later, uh, but we do linger on her for a bit in the in that beginning scene. And so what happens is Naomi gets an alert. She speaks to Anthony. He talks about the party. She goes to the debate club. And while she's there preparing to speak, she gets an alert on her phone, much like a bunch of other people, about a prank or an event in town square or downtown with uh superman so she runs out of class this is where even though i'm going to give this show some grace and try to extend my realm of belief because it's a military town i'm not doing that for this you mean to tell me black white green blue or otherwise a kid in this school can run out of class and out the door and just be gone like, it's one thing, she's like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom, I'm having, you know, some girl issues, whatever, like, something like that. But she gets an alert for a Superman prank that's going on downtown, and she's able to just walk out of class, like, run out. I was like, hold up, what if something happens to her? And it does. She gets to the kind of town square space where the um, the event is happening, she hears a buzzing noise, and she faints, she passes out. So I'm thinking... If I was her parent, I'm finna sue this school. You, this school is now going to be called Greg and Jennifer McDuffie School for high school kids. Because how do you let this girl run out? Don't contact me. Don't don't let me know nothing. And then she passes out in the street. Other thing I thought was odd, when this girl passed out, nobody helped her. Excuse me? I know that we're all running around like crazy. There's this big event happening. But you mean to tell me... This girl passes out on the ground on the sidewalk and nobody in this small, close-knit military town, nobody was like, oh, that's Greg and Jennifer's daughter. Or just a regular Good Samaritan. Nobody pulled her into the shop next to her. Now, I know a lot of my concerns. They're just, they're applying real-world logic to this comic book show. So, I, clearly, they needed her to pass out to wake up to deal with whatever to get the plot moving. But I was like, oh, hell no. Nah. My girl, my cousin Naomi didn't passed out and y'all didn't pick her up. So she misses the whole Superman event. Um, she later talks to different uh, kids and people in the area. And they're like, Superman fought this dude. This happened. He threw this car, this and that. And she's pissed. She's pissed that she missed it. The thing that really kind of not frustrates me, but I'm a little confused on is, is Superman, if Superman is a comic book character in this show and probably in another universe another uh, part of the multiverse and people saw this event and kind of, you know kind of flipped out rightfully so because something odd happened why i don't know if i know how to put this into words but it just feels it feels like people weren't taking it seriously enough like after the event happened and we discussed it it was like Oh, yeah, it was a prank and this and that. And I'm sure that's just a way of, like, trying to rationalize what you saw. Because us here in the real world, if we saw, I don't know, Captain America, Thor, and, you know, the Hulk in real life, we know these are comic book characters. You would really have to, and then with the way technology is, you would maybe assume that this is an event. Or this is something that Marvel threw on to try to, I don't know market a new avengers movie i I know our first mind wouldn't be oh these motherfuckers is real but i feel like you see a man flying in the sky flip over a car fighting some dude where you are like having property damage 
why are we not taking this a little bit more seriously? This isn't New York. This isn't L.A. This is a small, military, close-knit town. I feel like we should be more anxious about this. So Naomi gets a bunch of clips from different people, cell phones or whatnot, and she goes to Nathan to help her like piece the footage together. That's when he has the conversation about, yeah, maybe I gave Anthony the wrong address because he likes you and I like you, blah, whatever. Um, after that, they go to investigate. And I'll say that for this to be a one-hour episode, this felt really long. It felt much longer than an hour. But her, Naomi, and Nathan walk past Zambado's car dealership. This is something that was very odd to me. She says, and this isn't verbatim, but the gist of it was, um, we're like, we're not going to talk to him because, you know, businesses like he is coming to town and they, they're bad, they're bad for this town or, um, they're never, they never mean this town any good. And I'm thinking like, he runs a used car dealership. I understand that he's coded as this bad person, so there's probably other things going on, but she never alluded to, like, this is a front for drugs or something. She was just like, his business is is bad for the town. I'm just like, this is a used car dealership. What do you mean this is bad for the town, Naomi? You need to explain this a little more. And so her and Nathan continue on with their investigation. Um, I think Naomi did a pretty good job, like, of being on her own, trying to piece these uh, pieces together. She skateboards. Uh, she goes to Red River Forest, runs into Zimbabwe. They have an interaction. Uh, Nathan and her go to uh, D because he is seen in one of the clips, like, just staring up at Superman. Everyone else is running around screaming, and he's just staring. And she's like, oh, it looks like he knows him. And so she goes to the shop, and... D's like, he's a, is D black? I think he may be biracial too. He, Alexander Wraith. I know him from something. He is, oh, he was on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay. I probably really am familiar with him, but he, he looks, I don't know, maybe Middle Eastern. I don't know. Either way, he Mentions to her, oh, you wear glasses. And she's like, uh, yeah, I wear glasses. And the the way in which he and her talk and Nathan is there, it feels like if this is supposed to be a small town, I don't expect everyone to know every single person, but I would expect that people would know that D is the tattoo shop owner, which they do address that. He owns the tattoo shop. Let's go talk to him. He mentions... March 14th, I think, which is her adoption day. And she's like, oh, how do you know that? And him and her get into this heated back and forth where he's like, you're asking the wrong questions and this and that. And I think maybe, I don't know, it felt odd to me because I'm like, this grown man that this 16-year-old girl does not know personally, she knows him enough to know that he runs the tattoo shop, which would make sense in a small town, you know, the business owners, but she don't know him intimately enough or familiar familiar she's not familiar enough with him to be like oh yeah he hung out with my parents or oh he had drinks with my you know friend's dad so for him to have this knowledge about her i was like oh this and i know that's not the way the show was going but it just felt weird and it kind of felt not necessarily rushed but i feel like because it was a pilot and they were getting a lot done maybe they fast tracked some of the story and nathan was like this is weird and i was with nathan on that so 
they leave, and then um, when she goes does to, goes to the uh, debate thing, the official debate, and everyone in town is there watching her debate Miss Brooks. She gets a question. Miss Brooks doesn't answer. The girl who looks like Mariah Carey biracial ish, where she's either probably biracial or white, and that girl gives a answer to the question. Naomi then gives a more uh, a longer answer, and then. Somebody asks another question, and Naomi's eyes start hurting. She Her glasses are kind of odd. She faints. This is the second time in the episode where my girl has fainted, and it feels like people are very slow to action. I don't get it. This is a child who fell out on stage. Y'all all need to be hopping up. This is a kid. So <laughs> so that happens. Um, then she takes her glasses off when she wakes up. She can see across the room as some military guys talking with her dad about the Superman event and whatnot. So pretty much I've come to the realization that these glasses are some sort of power dampening device. I don't trust her daddy with his ugly self. I don't trust her mama, even though she's very cute. I'm biased. I'm giving her more leeway than I'm giving the dad because Jennifer is cute. So sue me. But it feels like everyone is lying to this girl. So everyone in her life who are adults are lying to her. And then the adults who should not have such interactions with her like D, the tattoo shop owner, and Zimbabwe, they're speaking to her, but they're very cryptic. And D keeps stressing, like, you're not asking the right questions. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean, D? What am I not asking? And so ultimately, uh, we get to a point where when she's in the woods with Zimbabwe, um, they have an interaction, and it seems like he's using powers. And she's like, um, why would you, what are you doing what are you doing to me? Or what? Do you, and he's like, well, funny of you to think that I did that, which alludes to maybe she's the one with the powers. And then she gets to that. Um, her um, Lourdes, that's the girl's name, the purple hair, Lourdes, uh, Nathan, and Anthony, who are all set up as love interests. And then Annabelle, her best friend, they go to break into Zambado's car dealership to get more information it's weird they do it he comes back they leave and she runs to d and she's like d what the fuck is going on and he's like oh the timeline is up it's too soon i didn't expect this to happen so soon and such and such whatever and the cliffhanger is he's like something something people like you and me and she's like what do you mean he's like ask the right questions and then he steps back and these big-ass, red velvet, cake-ass wings pop out his back. And she's like, he's still like, hey, you asked the right question. I'm like, first of all, sir, you just released uh, eight-foot span wings out of your back. Give me a second to process this. I may not have the right questions right now, but I have a whole lot of them. And so she's like, well, the question is, who am I? And then the, that's the end. I thought this was a really good episode. I just hate that all of the adults are obviously lying to her. And I'm thinking that because, again, this show, I am not the target demographic. I'm thinking that maybe the way that they're setting up the adults being so cryptic and lying to her is maybe set up in a way so that younger people maybe can easily tell or recognize that these people are lying to her i don't know i don't know i'm doing a lot of mental gymnastics to try to make sense of it because i'm like why the fuck are y'all lying to this girl like or why are you not lying better like these lies are clear it's clear that you're lying 
Um, and then one scene I didn't mention was after Naomi left the shop seeing D the first time and she talks to her parents. She's like, do you guys know him? Um, does Heisey know my adoption date? This like, she, she goes in. I was like, not that your parents are evil people, but I wouldn't have maybe laid so much on them. I would have maybe been more, um, cryptic in the way that I asked them like um oh I think I want to get a tattoo the tattoo guy seems like um a good guy um I want to get one maybe on my 18th birthday do you got like I think I would have maybe tried to fill out a little bit better because I feel like if this is my logic if I'm this teenage person I know I'm adopted my adoptive parents have been nothing but supportive, but we also live in this small town where everyone seems to know everybody, but I don't know this tattoo guy. You've never brought him to the house. We've never been to his house. So I know, as far as I know, you guys don't know each other. So if I see a big Superman event and my clues lead me to him and he knows my adoption date and why I wear glasses and all these other things, to me, that's suspicious on him sure because he could be a stalker or a crazy person but also on my parents because why in this small town have you never mentioned that this man knows so much about me so what is mentioned is um she says how do you know that he's like oh social media and i'm just like mm, that could very well be true but again why do you why are you so invested in me, this adopted teenager, and for the show, this adopted teenage girl? I don't know. It's just very suspicious where I would be suspicious of all these adults. I'm like, uh-uh, somebody lying. So that's it. I'll wrap it up here. All in all, I enjoyed the first episode. I am interested to see if this show keeps that same momentum and it's still as good. Again, I'm not familiar with the source material fully because I've decided to stop reading it until the first season is over. But let me know if you've read the series, if this feels like it's a bit more in line with it. Um, if you watched the episode, let me know what you think about it. Use that hashtag OCNPod where we can discuss our cousin Naomi and live tweet with me next Tuesday or whatever it airs or even when you watch this on CW or however you consume your Naomi media use that hashtag OCM pod and let me know your thoughts um and if you have a little bit more insight please try not don't try not to spoil anything for me I've deliberately stayed away from the um comic series for this reason alone so don't spoil that some girl last night was like plot twist such and such as her redacted and i'm not going to say who it was um because i don't want to spoil it for anyone else but i was like what is why are you telling me this like this hasn't even been uncovered in the show yet we're watching the pilot no one said that this person was her such and such and such. Like, you clearly have read the books. Why would you spoil this? This is silly. So, um, I'm not heartbroken behind it, but I'm definitely blocked that girl. Because <laughs> I was like, why would you do this to me? <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, so yeah. We're going to end it here. Use the hashtag OCMPod. Hit me up on Twitter, CarefreeBlurred. Email CarefreeBlackNerd at gmail.com. Um, again, I'm not sure if this is going to be a every week thing. You know, life gets in the way. I'm not going to hold you up. I might miss a week and maybe pick up a week, but I'm letting you know up front. And if you have any thoughts, ideas, predictions, uh, whatever, hit me up and let me know using that hashtag OCNPod. And I'll see you guys next time to discuss our cousin Naomi. 
stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay suspicious of all these weird adults in your life who act like they can't tell you the truth about stuff and they being cryptic when you know good and dang well that they lying to you. <laughs> all right, y'all. Hey everyone, I'm Ava DuVernay and just want to tell you a little bit about my new friend, Naomi. So Naomi is uh, pretty popular. Uh, she lives in the Pacific Northwest in this little town called Puerto Suego. She has a really cool crew of friends. Uh, she's a snazzy dresser. Uh, she loves comic books. In fact, she really loves Superman uh, comic books. Uh, one day, something crazy happens in her town and she finds out why she loves comic books so much and why she loves Superman specifically. And it's something that blows her mind and is more seismic and cosmic than anyone could ever imagine. Don't believe everything you think. That's what Naomi's about. Check it out.